Hey everyone, and welcome back to the First Act Podcast. Today's episode features Jennifer Bonita. In Jen's new role at Musician, she fulfills her passion of connecting artists with their fans. Coming over from the label side, Jen has worked with all sorts of artists, including pop, comedy, K-pop, and more, strategizing new releases, distribution, and marketing. Listen in as she shares what it's like to climb the ranks at major labels, including Universal, Concord, and The Orchard. If you're looking for tips on how to grow your own career as an artist or just looking to break in on the business end, this is an episode that you're not going to want to miss. And now, hosted by Harry G, this is your one-stop shop for hot talk straight from the top. Whether you're trying to build a job in pop, rock, or any other artsy schlock, here's your top dog with info that can't be bought, it's gotta be sought. So sit back, crack a six-pack, cause we're about to chit-chat and rip facts. It's the First Act Podcast. Thinking about like where in your hometown is there some music or where in your hometown is there something with entertainment going on, chances are somebody in that sector is going to know people in New York, L.A., London, Nashville, like they're going to know at least one person, right? Because if they're doing their job right and there's actually like some buzz going on there and they're getting good shows and good artists or maybe it's TV or film, they have to know people. You can't just make this happen out of nothing. Definitely. Yeah. Or even your indie store, you know, I mean, the records are getting on the shelves and artists are going to play and there's lots of people behind the scenes that are putting that together with the store. And, you know, I think it's just like trying to figure out a way of taking those initiatives and, you know, finding that person that's going to help you or at least putting you in the opportunity to excel in some way um, that you shine, you know, you do an amazing work at, you know, an in-store where an artist is playing that you work at. Or, you know, you're able to lend a hand somewhere and, you know, you, you use that a little bit as, as momentum to the next thing. And then don't screw it up, right? And don't-, don't screw it up. Yes. Don't screw it up. Show up on time. Yeah. I mean, we're all going to make mistakes and you certainly make, I've certainly made a lot of them for sure, like uh, at different points, but you know, you got to get started. And I think just taking that first step is just always the hardest and and the most pivotal of getting going. Now you've opened the gates. Now I want to know what mistake you've made. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I had such problems with like Excel grids. I remember in my first job of just like sorting things all wrong and having all the mail come back. I remember that as being like one of the first mistakes that I think I probably made that I think kids wouldn't make today because they're just so much more tech savvy. But yeah, that's one mistake that I remember in my first job and suddenly all this mail coming back and wondering of how it didn't get to where it needed to be. (laughs) So going back to the Craigslist job, though. Yeah. So what job was that? And I guess, can you walk us through what the interview process was like getting a job off of Craigslist? Yeah, you know, it's just like anywhere else. I mean, this is kind of a little bit before like LinkedIn and stuff. So it was very like run of the mill. You applied. It was just like a job posting. You just applied. And, you know, they just got back to you and like set up an interview. And it was very quick because they needed someone pretty right away. But the hiring process, you know, you went in for interviews. It was the same. It was very like generic run of the mill hiring process. And it was at a record label called Savoy Label Group, um, which has since bought acquired by Concord. It's a ama- has amazing catalog. Um, it started off in the jazz era, jazz, bebop, 
has a lot of classical recordings. Um, when I was there, it also expanded some working with, you know, some amazing legacy artists. So they're very well rounded as far as the work that was put out under the label, but mostly known for jazz and has so many amazing legendary recordings from all the greats. And so were you a big jazz fan growing up or was this a bit of a learning curve that you needed to tackle coming into this job? Yeah, it definitely was a learning curve. Even now, I, I've worked with jazz a lot um, in throughout my career. And I think I have just like an appreciation for jazz. I think it's hard for me sometimes to listen because I'm, again, classically trained. Right. So some of right. the jazz improv, just like in my head, I'm like, this is this wrong. Like how, how, like how is it? Um, you know, so it's sometimes a little hard to kind of, you know, wrap my head around um, the structure of jazz. But um, the musicians and the artists, I have such um, high regard for. And I think that that is something that I've carried through my career um, is it's always great to love the artists and the music that you're working with. But I think it's even more important to love the business of it and realizing that your job is to get the song to someone who does love it it can change their life. And I think that that is, you know, I love the business of music and getting that to the fans. Um, so even though it might not be my favorite record, it's someone's favorite record. And that is what I love. I really like that. You, you know, you can definitely see your passion shine through and you have a full understanding of how your job actually impacts the consumer. Mm-hmm. And you need to have that, especially, you know, it's it's very easy to get caught in like the weeds of the entertainment industry. Yeah. About networking and relationships and where, thinking too much about where you fit in in your own career versus like what your actual job means to the entire industry. Mm-hmm. And that is what I think helps you do your job really well, because if you're passionate about what you do, then, you know, yes, there's going to be challenges that come up along the way. But if you're passionate about it, then you're way more likely to do your job well and figure out how you can make things actually work. And that's what's that's how you're going to shine. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, I was at a show once and I can't remember the the artist I was working with, but I remember the moment that I've since like reflected on. Um, It was at the Troubadour. And I remember seeing a guy in a shirt and tie dancing, having the time of his life. And I kind of made this narrative up about this person and was like, this person's an accountant. They were probably grinding away all day and they had tickets to this show probably for weeks or potentially months. And they've been looking forward to this and this is their time and their moment and they're having the time of their life. And that's what I've thought of where it was like, I had a part in this. I was part of the marketing of this new song that he was dancing and I helped my, you know, it was part of, you know, getting the show here on the label front and, you know, I, I, what my role in this was and I've could picture this guy in my head like it was yesterday. And I thought about like him as the fan and how like you really can change someone's day or and potentially even have a greater impact on them by the work that, you know, you do. And then again, even though it's not my favorite, like look at that person, like I had that moment right? Um, in helping get him to the show. Um, which, you know, I think is something that I've always thought about. It's a very magic moment when you realize that you were involved in this person's great experience. You know, I I felt that a lot when we were booking concerts. It was a direct correlation, right? It's like you're working in the venue, in an office in the venue, you're booking all these shows, and then five, six months later, eight months later, the show actually happens that you put blood, sweat, and tears into. And then you see people just like, 
opening up the pit. Totally. Like I saw a guy get punched in the face, bloody nose and everything. And like, he just wanted to keep going, you know, like he didn't care. It was like, this was his moment. This was his night. It was, it was a mess, but you know, that's an extreme example, but that's the magic of music. And that's the magic of working in this industry. Mm -hmm. So I want to, I want to talk a little bit about the fact that, you know, um, Savoy Label Group got acquired, right? They got acquired by Concord, you said. Yeah. So what was that like? I guess this was probably your first experience having worked at a company that then got acquired by a larger company. Like, was there a big culture change? Was it smooth, the transition? How did that work? Yeah, I could just say there wasn't really a transition. So I was there for quite a while. So I had gone through the ranks of, you know, intern, really every rung of the ladder that I had done at this label from, you know, intern to marketing manager and, and gradually taking on more. And, you know, we kind of slowly restructuring the label as things always happen in the music industry. And yeah, so and then I was like one of the last to be uh, laid off before, you know, we had heard that, you know, acquisition was kind of happening. And it was shocking. And I think, you know, almost everyone I talked to was just like this rite of passage because there's always going to be changes. There's always going to be career shakeups and potential layoffs or jobs that don't work out. And I think that was my first time where something was really out of my control. It wasn't based on me. It wasn't like there was just all these other things. And then suddenly I was like out of a job and I was just devastated. And I think that that is just something that happens to everyone. And I think if I could tell myself something else at that point, I would just say like, you're going to get a new one. Like it's going to be fine. But um, at the time it was, uh, it was, it was tough. It was really tough. It must've been really scary. I've been laid off from jobs as well. And like, you know, it's funny because it's like, whenever we reminisce on these sorts of things, it's like, we were terrified, right? Yeah. You're like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? Why aren't they keeping me? And you blame yourself. And then, you know, now you can reflect and be like, well, they just got bought over by another company. And there's some other people that don't know me. They don't care about my role. They merge things together. And they're, they, there's a reason why they're acquiring the company. Yeah. And it's always going to happen, you know. And I think that it's going to happen to everyone at least like once or twice in your career. And you just, I think throughout my time, I've always tried to isolate and, you know, the moments where these are like the career moments that, you know, really help define you. And looking back, you're like, this was a moment in time. But at the time, it seems like it's your just whole world is like crumbling down. But then you look at these like pivotal moments and you realize that they're like really just career defining and they're moments in time and they're they're not your whole life. This too shall pass, as they say. Um, And I, you know, I want to always tell myself that, but uh, it's, you, you forget it. It's very hard to not forget it. So this was a defining moment for you because you actually ended up switching coasts, right? Yeah. You went back to the East Coast and you were in New York after this. Yeah. I mean, LA was great. You know, it was really what I needed at the time. But even throughout, I just felt like it was really hard for me to get some momentum there career wise. You know, I did, I can say, you know, I was kind of looking on and off throughout my career there at the label because I just felt like I was just kind of not getting that career kick that I really wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so when that happened, I started, you know, obviously applying for jobs and I was getting a lot of more momentum in New York. 
you know, I was getting more phone calls, more interviews. And so I thought, well, maybe this is a sign. I always wanted to give New York a try from obviously being from the East Coast. And, you know, I started conversations with the orchard, you know, pretty soon after I lost my job there. So I thought, you know, now maybe now's the time. So I kind of did a little bit of a pit stop at home. And then uh, before I got hired on um, in New York. So was the orchard new in New York at this point? This was their head office is where it's in the UK, right? It's in London. No, it's in New York. There's a huge office in the UK. Yeah. And, and really offices all around the world. The main office is in New York. They actually started in Orchard Street in New York City years and years. And then, yeah, it grew from there. Yeah. And this, I really started on the start of the Orchard's rise um, in the music industry. I think I was kind of at the tail end of people who kept asking, like, who's the Orchard? And then from there on, it was just, you know, really their rise in, in the music industry. Incredible to be a part of. Did you know that you were going into this company that was about to just like start to shoot up? No, you know, and that's kind of another point, you know, I, I've always had a little bit of like a niche opportunities where I was never at the biggest companies. I was never certainly at like the most well-known or the ones that had all the name recognition or the cool vibe and the cool recognition. Um, I was always working at, you know, labels that did jazz and heritage artists or the orchard that wasn't well-known then at the time as well-known as they are now. And, you know, I think that it doesn't have to be the biggest band and it doesn't have to be like the biggest record label, you could still have a really fulfilling career doing really impactful work in a variety of ways and in a variety of places. And I think, you know, starting out, it's very easy to be like, I want to work at a major label. I want to work at the biggest management firms and I want to do this. But kind of to my earlier point where you kind of just need to put everything out there and kind of see where you land and whether it's in the indie sector or doing something small or working for, you know, like it doesn't mean that it's less impactful or that you're not going to have an amazing career. So yeah, I had no idea, you know, I had no idea what it was going to be, but I was like, Hey, you know, I need to see again where things land. Um, and I landed a, a great position there. What was your position at the orchard when you got your new job there? So I started as a label manager. So there's a whole roster of label managers really at any distribution company. And their job is to manage a roster of labels. Often they're across many genres or maybe you'd be genre specific. Um, I was kind of all around working with all different types of labels. And, you know, as a label manager, you're really tasked with helping to guide a label's business and helping them manage their releases, really being a voice of additional knowledge that one would bring versus, you know, you're at a small label. It's very easy to see things from your point of view, but then you bring someone in that's seeing how things are being done across many labels. We're getting industry knowledge, you know, obviously from many different sources. And then we, you know, passing that on to clients that uh, I was working with. I have a bunch of questions around this because actually I've never really worked I interned at a label very early on in my career, and it was a very small label. So I don't really have any of this sort of experience. So now I've got a whole bunch of questions. Sure. Label manager, you said, is the one who manages a label or a bunch of labels? Um, it all depends. I mean, maybe the label's really big. And when a label's being distributed by a company, they might only, like, you'll have a representative, basically, at a distributor. So that representative is tasked with being 
I look at it as being like the label's advocate for within the organization. So we are tasked with helping float information from the label through all of the distribution services that are being offered. Which are like what? Advertising, additional marketing, sales support, obviously, like, you know, being pitched to all of the digital accounts, um, maybe some YouTube management. So it would be my job to like bring all those resources and communicate back and forth between internal teams and the label and really assist the label in tapping into these resources for their business. I see. Okay. And so when you started at the Orchard and Label Management, how many labels did they manage in total? A lot. I mean, the Orchard has a ton, but again, they also have like a roster of label managers that are like all divided up. And then it also depends on like how much support a label needs, how much revenue they have. So, you know, it all, they divvied it all up based on, you know, all those factors. So like, you're not going to have a hundred labels that are all like high profile working all these releases, you know, you might have like a whole list of labels, but maybe they're not as active. So, you know, it all depends. I'm just trying to think like from the business standpoint, right? It's like the orchard at this point, at some point they had to like acquire these labels, right? These are just like distributor deals. So it's like fee based. So, like, oh, I see. Yeah. So, most distributors work on like a percentage. Some distributors do own content. So, like, a lot of them have own labels, but by and large, it's a service. This is super informative for me because I actually, like I said, I'm not that well versed on the label side. And I'm sure whoever's listening right now, I'm sure not all of you are experts either. All right. So nobody dig me. But I didn't know that that's how it worked. So the Orchard is helping, I guess, on the distro front for a lot of these clients. Yep. So that they can get into larger platforms or just get their music into a wider audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's so many services. So it all depends on, you know, I think a lot of distributors are really, we're adding a lot of value. And I I honestly think distribution are the unsung heroes of the music industry, especially after my role at the Orchard. I mean, it's just, we're kind of just, again, we're just unsung heroes that really no one talks about. I don't think anyone grows up and be like, I want to work in music distribution. Like it's not a very sexy kind of, you know, job in music. But I think now with the variety of ways that artists and labels can manage their business, indie artists now can go right to distributors. I think the business model of the music industry has really been upended. And I think now distribution is like so cool. Like it's giving so many opportunities to artists and labels and a variety of services. Um, You know, you can start a label and, you know, get distribution and get so much like assistance and technology and, you know, data and all of these great resources that you really need to manage your business. So, you know, if you asked me, you know, a decade ago to like be in music distribution, I have no idea what that was. But I think now with the economics of music changing that it's um it's can be a great place to kind of find your footing and establish your career Hey everyone, just wanted to check back in and shout all of you out who are taking the time to check out the podcast, especially those of you who have been sharing it with your friends and writing me such nice messages on Apple Podcasts, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. If you or someone you know has an awesome story that you think should be shared with the world, feel free to write me directly on any of our socials at The First Act Podcast. Until then, stay safe.